This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Andrew. This is Craig. Your podcast pals. <laughs> uh, normally, we try to keep the show clean. We don't swear much unless we're like reading a direct quote. We try and keep it so you and your entire family can listen to our podcast. This week, not going to happen. We were talking about things of a sexually explicit nature and just a regular explicit nature. (laughs) We also have some strong feelings about the book we're about to read that because we're already breaking the seal with regards to cussing because of the the content of the book, I think we're going to do it ourselves because of the content of the book (laughs) right so if you have little kitties cover their ears and let's get started Craig, it's here. What's the here? moment? The moment that we've all been waiting for have, for so long. Have we been waiting with, for it with such anticipation? Bated breath. Serial is back. <laughs> Season two. Anon has dink, killed dink, again. Dink, 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 <laughs> and we need. Dink, and dink, only dink. Sarah Kane can solve the murder. Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. And I'm Sarah Koenig. I hate you so much. <laughs> I am I am Nisha. I'm calling I'm, you. I'm Mailkimp. <laughs> this is a podcast about books, and this is the 150th episode of this podcast that we've done, which for the record is way more serials than they've made, so I don't understand why that show is so much more popular than I've ours. eaten a lot of different cereal, actually. I've eaten Cocoa Pebbles. and I think jokes like that might be why our show isn't as popular as cereal. <laughs> interesting <laughs> you say as a purveyor of fine terrible jokes oh i'd purvey tons of them i'm gonna purvey a lot of them over the next hour or so um let's get straight to business i guess um this is our 150th episode and because 50 divided by or 50 times three time. is 150 i know it's great um we're reading 50 shades freed third book in the 50 shades of gray trilogy by el james aka snow queen's ice dragon <laughs> Now, we we did the first book on like a lark, you know. Yeah, there were a lot of. We were like, oh, I think I specifically said during that episode, I don't think I'm ever going to read the other two books in this series. <laughs> and ironically, it proved to be one of the most popular books we recorded in our first year. Oh no, I don't know if that's irony or if it's just really, really depressing. <laughs> and so we mounted up for the second book. And sure did. We survived it. We're still here, aren't we? Yeah. It was much worse, though. I mean, it was. Yeah. I mean, they were both bad. It's not like the first one was good and the second one was was bad. It was. They were both bad, but the second one was the definitely the attack of the clones <laughs> of the trilogy. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's certainly there. Samuel Jackson was there. Include yeah, including a lot of stuff about Hayden Christensen. I don't know. Do you remember that time? On Naboo, when we fucked like we've never fucked before, <laughs> down by the lake, on the dewbacks. Yeah, of course I do. Oh my god! Holy cow! Holy cow! A guy <laughs> with four arms and lightsabers. Holy cow! The Death Star plans. So now we're back. 
yeah. with number three and we both read it and i think we're still like here physically but mentally i believe if we've finally been broken i don't i don't know about you but this book has made me shatter explode and spiral all over the place mm-hmm. yeah i've broken apart into a million pieces and then come back together again and again and again so mm-hmm. These books are about whom, Andrew? We've got two books that people could go and listen to those episodes. They exist. Episode 50 and episode 100. They're real easy to find. Yep. Uh, But I feel like we should do just a little bit of recap because obviously this book requires you to know. I don't think you could just jump in this (laughs) book. I don't think you just want to read this one. (laughs) So who, Uh. who is this? Who are the star players who are the, uh, to quote the wiki, whose relationship is romantic and who is the focused primary couple in this trilogy? Now, of course, you were referring to the Fifty Shades of Grey Wikipedia. Correct. And not Wikipedia Wikipedia. Yeah. For only, if everyone would just give us $3, we could fix that sentence and this drive would end right now. <laughs> All right. So these books are about, I guess I'll start with book one and then I'll let you. That's a good place to start. That's pick a good up the order. pieces yeah. in book two. Fifty Shades mm-hmm. of Grey is about um, Anastasia Steele and Christian Grey. She is a mousy 22-year-old college student who doesn't know how computers work. But she he, loves books. But she loves books. And he is a 28-year-old megalomillionaire, I think was the <laughs> term that you used last time to describe him. Uh, he's a He's a business owner. And he's also into BDSM relationships. Yes. Or as they, the term that they use is kinky fuckery. Kinky fuckery. And so Anna has, not only has she not experienced kinky fuckery before, but she has never had sex with anybody before. Mm -hmm. And because Christian really likes brown haired women. Yes. With nice faces and bodies. He decides, (laughs) he decides to draw up a sex contract. And attempt to establish a dom-sub relationship with Anna. Uh-huh. With Anna being the sub and him being the dom. Yeah. Um, it doesn't go too well. Like, I mean, it doesn't they, go great. They have some good times. They have some bad times. They learn there's a little. They laugh a lot. Yeah, there's sex balls. That go up inside her vagina. There's and a, you walk around with them in there. And I, it feels good. It yeah. feels good. There's a riding crop. The, the thing that breaks the first book is the whip right i think it's a belt oh it's a belt that's well he it's a belt that he's whipping her with yeah the verb is whip the noun is belt (laughs) whip it uh (laughs) and she walks out on him just just like as it is revealed his crack whore mom walked out on him yeah and so it should be like the big i guess thematic i don't think the thematic is the right thing but the big (laughs) plot thing that happens in the first book is that Anna Anna wants more of a relationship with him and he wants more kinky fuckery from her and they're trying to meet in the middle with not a ton of success, but some success. And then the book abruptly ends with her running out on him because it was too much for her to take. Yes. And then the second book, which, as we discussed, takes place in about a week, mm-hmm. begins with her starting a new job at a publishing company. and he- Sip. He had all independent publishing. And it it should be noted that the giant unhealable rift that opened (laughs) between them at the end of book one is totally fixed within like the first 20 pages of book two. So don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. So she started working at this new job. And of course, because none of their problems are ever different, he uh, 
takes control of aspect of an aspect of her life and purchases the publishing house that she has started working at. Uh, and there's like some people there that work there that like don't know how to feel about her, how they feel about her. Like uh, Elizabeth is the HR person, and Jack Hyde is her boss, and mm-hmm. he's a sleazy asshole. And so he keeps making passes at her. So one I guess the, who's not happy about that? I don't know, Andrew. Who is not happy about that? Christian Grey. Oh, okay, great. And so he has bought this publishing company to keep tabs on her and Jack, and then eventually that leads to. Jack getting fired and his whole life being ruined. And that's just like a day in the life of Christian Grey, I think. Not just fired, but like beat up. Yeah, well, yeah, and has to beat him off. Wait. Well, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he wants her to do, but she doesn't. Oh, no. She doesn't do it. And then he threatens her. And then Christian comes in and like punches him in the face. And I don't remember. It's been too long since I read this book and I'm not reading it again. No, thanks. So I don't remember if she's like, oh, my hero. But I think that's her typical reaction when stuff like this happens. I think she handled herself pretty well. And then Christian had to like seal the deal. Yeah, because she dropped him because her dad, her like stepdad is trained her to be a ninja. Ray seems like a cool guy. I wish there were more of him in these books. Fifty Shades of Ray. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) So the other main plot line in the second book are the people from Christian's past who start impinging on their kind of more committed relationship. Mm -hmm. So Christian is committed to trying to like make it work and not be as so dominant and not need a sex contract. But this is complicated <laughs> when people who've signed previous contracts come into their life. Like Layla, who is an escaped... No, she's not escaped. She goes to a mental institution because she has had a mental breakdown. and she, She's an ex-sub of Christians. Yes. And she comes to Anna's apartment with a gun. And yeah, and then he like has a he has like a mental breakdown like he like first he goes like full super saiyan and becomes like a dominant again and then he just starts he doesn't start crying a lot but he kind of just totally shuts down and anna has to like save him from i i have no memory of lunacy i don't really happening uh so then (laughs) then they kind of just brush her under the rug like the link the longest impact of layla's visit is that there's a gun around and that uh, Anna learned some stuff about Christian. She doesn't really factor that much into the rest of their story. I yeah, and it's like Christ- like Anna sees how cold Christian is to Layla and he- and she's like, well, I know Christian cares about her, but he totally seems to have, have like turned that off. And could he do the same thing to me? And oh, no. Yeah, that's true. So that, that happens. Mm-hmm. They also have God, a their reckoning. relationship is so tiresome. Oh, I know, I hate it so much. They also have a reckoning with Elena Lincoln, uh, aka is, Mrs. Robinson, aka Mrs. Robinson, aka the bitch troll, as Anna calls her, because she's mm-hmm. so good with words. She's great with words. It's really easy to see why she's an editor at at an independent <laughs> publishing house, which she becomes after they fire Jack Hyde, and all of a sudden she's just an editor in charge of a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. Um. So then uh, Christian's mom, who's friends with Mrs. Robinson, finds out that this was happening when Christian was 15. And so they get in a big fight at Christian's birthday party. And I think Mrs. Robinson gets slapped. I don't remember. People do like their slaps in this book. They People, do like to hand out their slaps. They do like to hand out their slaps. 
Uh, and the book ends with them kind of like casting her away. Here's a question. Okay. Wait, should we finish what we were talking about first? Yeah, real quick. Uh, uh, we'll finish the end of book two. Okay, so book two ends. Yeah, Elena Lincoln is cast out from paradise. Mm-hmm. And then also Christian and Anna get engaged to be married. And, and then we get a weird little epilogue where a shadowy figure who's obviously Jack Hyde like takes responsibility for sabotaging Christian's helicopter earlier. Which is the like reason why Anna said yes, because she was so worried. Yeah. She, she knew she yeah. just couldn't live without him. Yeah. Because of his true. helicopter problems. <laughs> his helicopter named Charlie Tango. Charlie Tango. Which as you so astutely observed last time we did one of these books she got jealous that he referred to it as a woman Mm -hmm. uh, or as a she he didn't think the helicopter was a woman but nonetheless weirder things have happened yeah so that's the end of book two um you had a question for me my question i guess is like where would you where how do you rank these what what's your first second and third favorite sex books basically we haven't even talked about this one but i think my favorite is the first. Yeah, I think it goes one, three, two. Like Star Wars. <laughs> no, no. No, not like Star the Wars. The opposite. Not like Star Wars. Like, I don't Arguably know. like the prequels, I guess, if you think episode one is better than episode three. So book three, Return of the Subdom. Like, what? I don't know what the good subtitle for this would be, but okay, what happens in book three? They are married already. And they okay, they're married. are on a surprise honeymoon surprise to england which is she loves all the books from england so they're going to england mm-hmm. and they have sex Even it seems like they spend most of their time on a boat like having sex and riding jet skis yeah, it's a pretty like sweet fine. honeymoon actually <laughs> as someone who is currently planning one i'm i wouldn't be upset about like i don't need to go on a cruise but hanging out on a beach cruises sound terrible i want to go throw that out there i want to go on a river cruise it's, mo- it's a lot smaller. There's more stuff to see. There's less sounds, circus acts. also sounds like there would be more potential for like deliverance type scenarios in a <laughs> river cruise. Depends on what river you pick, I suppose. Yeah, so pick a good river. <laughs> Don't go on one of those bargain discount river cruises. Okay. Uh, but they, have, they go to the Mile High Club on their way over there. Um, mm-hmm. Which that means I, they fuck on a plane. I was wondering if you knew if you knew if you were a member of the Mile High Club. I'm not a member of the club. I know that the club exists. <laughs> I've never graced its uh, doors, but so they're they're in Europe. It's going fine. Like there's some flashbacks to earlier parts of the honeymoon where she let him shave her vagina. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, her pubes. Not like they yeah. stick a razor up up in oh, there. Oh, hey, oh, whoa. And then later, and then later, she shaves his face pubes. Yes, that's what we call them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. His beard, and Which, it's I guess it's a mark of the increased trust. And trust was as you as we talked about last time. Trust is like the big issue. I would say of all of the books, but was more explicit in book two. Right, it was the most developed of all the crappy things that they were trying to do in that book. <laughs> so <laughs> their attempts to trust each other and. And make it so that every stiff wind didn't like blow their relationship over, <laughs> which makes sense because the we the like subdom relationship and what is consensual has some thematic carryover into just how people exist in relationships anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but it's not like a perfect metaphor and james is not a, the best person to make that like <laughs> comparison <laughs> we but, really do a lot of much yeah. of anything i don't want to we we try not to hate indiscriminately in these podcasts on on anybody like el james least of all because she has sold a whole lot more books than we have and so what do we that, know nothing but, that i have ever written has become a movie that's what i'll say how about yet. that yet that's true good thanks andrew someone's gonna take all your vague tweets about sports and make them into a movie chooch craig the movie <laughs> why does why does that sound like an adam sandler movie to me I don't craig know. the movie yeah that's one of those ones that he made for netflix the like sequel to pixels i think in his barely trying phase yeah uh what would you say as we embark on the plot of this nonsensical masterpiece what would you say the themes are? I've got two, but I want to see if they line up with yours. Are we talking about the intended themes or the themes that we came away with? How about the things that crop up over and over again in the book? Like, mm-hmm. what are the issues we're talking about? There are a few different things, I think, that come up. I mean, trust is still there. It's still a factor. Certainly. Um. There's also there's like a thrillery kidnapper plot uh-huh. that's happening, and uh-huh. then the sex the sex stuff is still happening, and and I guess in this in this book it's more about Anna um, expanding her horizons some because like Christian is trusting her a little bit more with more stuff, and Anna is like pushing her boundaries with respect to kinky fuckery a little bit more. Yeah, for me, this is embodied in her wrestling with money like they talk about money they do actually wrestle so i thought you were gonna talk about that for a second no (laughs) there is a scene where they wrestle but no she's yeah she there's like that sequence in on their honeymoon where she like goes into a claire's or something and buys something that's worth like five dollars just to prove that she's not stuck up and she and she says oh i i never i Never want to lose this girl who would buy this stupid little charm bracelet and for five dollars. And that happens after she rode a fucking jet ski that her fiance husband owns. Uh huh. And she was shadowed by the bodyguards that follow her around at all times because they're paparazzi and stuff that are trying to get pictures of her boobies. Yeah, you buy that charm bracelet; it means a lot to you. Yeah, no, that's I. That's like the most superficial way i can think of to like try and hang on to yourself is like i want to be the person who buys cheap jewelry like no maybe maybe you should be like the person who always calls her mom or like always keeps in touch with her friends and like never lets the money go to your head it should it shouldn't be a thing where like because i buy cheap stuff in with all the hideously expensive stuff that i own i'm still the same person that i was yeah well and i wanted to lay this out early because it comes up a couple times of the honeymoon as we said there's a flashback to when christian's adopted dad said that he should get a prenup and christian mm-hmm. almost like lit the house on fire he was so mad about it oh, God. uh and then it it christian pays dividends just fucking cool it i know for a second <laughs> it it comes up with some of the other plot points so i wanted to lay that in also there's a part in this honeymoon where they use handcuffs mm-hmm. okay and a couple things get introduced here one of which i did not expect this book to talk about pee as much as it does there are a few <laughs> mentions of pee and they're it happens early in the book, and I've read so much more of the book since we first talked about it that I actually <laughs> forgot that it happened until just now. 
But yeah, like the first quote on page 33 that got me like good enough that I had to take a screenshot of it and text it to Craig is they're going to have some sex and then he and he says, I'm going to make an example of you. Come, don't pee. He whispers in my ear. I gasp. Don't pee. How rude. My subconscious looks up from her book, the complete works of Charles Dickens, volume one with alarm. Now, is that the <laughs> two things? Two things there is that like the way that you read don't pee in your head makes the line. So I, I'd see it as like, don't pee. <laughs> He's telling her off, but like in a in a weird, I don't know, in a way that you would tell a kid like not to go in the deep end of a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then also when she says don't pee, how rude I can. I can't read how rude without going full Jar Jar on it. Oh, I hear <laughs> I hear it as Full House. How wooed. <laughs> as the Olsen twins. So wait, you wanted to talk about p- your pee play stuff? You wanted to talk about well, the water sports? There's that- not explicit water sports. In this section, she gets handcuffed, which is important because it like hurts her wrists. And then Christian has like a whole bunch of misgivings about actually hurting her. Mm-hmm. Okay. The position he puts her in while she's handcuffed is like wrists to ankles while her knees are bent so that she can't move and there's a lot of pressure on her pelvis so apparently having a full bladder makes sex better i haven't heard that one before but i don't know where el james is doing her research so i can't yeah i'm not sure if this is like every sex scene in this book gives the impression of like somebody somebody who's read about it before and is trying to trying to write about it based on the things that that they've read like well you go on with your thing and i've got a specific example to bring up and the reason i'm bringing it up is because in the latter half of the book there are at least two maybe three scenes where christian has the opportunity to and anna has to talk him out of watching her pee like yeah it happens a few times why like you get the impression that christian would be totally cool like watching her pee and anna's like (laughs) Can we not with this pee thing? Can I just like, can I just pee? Now, I get why this happens from a like intimacy standpoint, because he's like whipping her with stuff. He's putting his finger in her and then making her lick his finger. He's putting balls in her vagina. They're shoving ice cream up each other's butts. Like, who knows what's going on? And the idea that she would, like, put the papal line of demarcation at, like, pee-watching, which is not even in the book depicted as sexual. It's that, like, she needs to pee, and she's, like, injured or something, and he doesn't want to leave the room. And that happened. And then there's, like, a whole thing where she's in the hospital. We'll get to that. And uh, he, like, helps her into the bathroom, and she's, Mm -hmm. like, he doesn't want her to like fall off the toilet i guess i don't know why and she's like no you gotta get out of here you but he leaves the door open and just turns his back to her and it is like it is a decision you have to make in any relationship like how how comfortable are you gonna be with each other's bathroom stuff yes like are you gonna pretend like it doesn't happen like well i don't know it's we don't have to like get into specific personal examples of it i feel that i am comfortable talking through a door to to people I'm close to while they're getting stuff done. That's what I, I will say. I will, but I don't want to. Okay. it's not. I'm not having like an everyday conversation. No, like it needs to be, like, you need to need something specific like right now. You need to tell me that the house is burning down 
and that I should consider like hurrying it up. <laughs> okay. okay. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not comfortable with it. That seems reasonable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, here's a, here's a and again a standard disclaimer for this show, and we always like the, I, I think this is a good time to mention it is like we're gonna we might inadvertently describe some stuff as weird. We're probably gonna laugh some. Yes, it's it's not again like any two consenting adults can do anything that they want with each other as long as it's like safe and they're both consenting and and it's just and as long as that they trust each other and like it's great. But the way that E.L. James like handles stuff in this book just makes it so awkward that yes. that it really mm-hmm. heightens the the uh, unintentional comedy of it. Like here's an example where it really it like the clinical words that she's using really make it seem like this is something that she has no experience with at all. Sure. Um, all right. Open your legs. He orders. I move my legs apart. Wider. I groan and spread my legs wider. Good girl. He breathes. He traces his finger down my back, along the crack between my buttocks, and over my anus, which shrinks at his touch. Like, what? The crack between his her buttocks? <laughs> I think that's technically accurate. Yeah, but, like, can't you say butt crack? Or, like, can't you say ass instead of butt? She does do that occasionally. Well, okay. There's... He doesn't. He does, And for those of you keeping score along at home, he does not actually claim her ass in no. this book he promised to do it in the first book like Chekhov's butt sex i guess but <laughs> the gun does not go off in he book three. also does claim he does say he will claim her breasts in this book and does not make good on that promise either uh yeah there's a specific uh specific quote here where we uh, you have such beautiful breasts anna he groans one day i'll fuck them <laughs> what the hell does that mean she thinks to herself <laughs> Anna, sweetheart, I like you're more experienced than you were when this whole thing started. The like the mechanics of how this works should be pretty obvious to you at this point. It it is. I wonder how much. I'm trying to give the book credit. Let's let me try to give the book credit here for a second. All right. So then we'll dive back into plot stuff for a while. I guess. Well, well, no. I want to skip ahead to when they when they have the butt plug stuff. Um, oh right. Okay. Cool. So he has her lie down on a table, and this is what you were quoting from this scene. And she's blindfolded, and she's holding onto a table, and he's getting ready to put a butt plug in her so that they can have sex, and it will feel better because there's not as much real estate down there when there's a butt plug in. I think is how that works. Yeah. Um, don't pee. Don't pee. And first, she says to herself, "Oh my, is he going to fuck my ass?" Mm-hmm. And then she ca- literally cannot say the word "butt." So she says, "I hear the quiet spurt of some liquid, presumably from a tube. Then his fingers are massaging me there again, lubricating me. Dot dot dot. There. Like, just say butt. Like you just said. <laughs> you just said fuck my ass. Just say butt." And I think there's or like, ass, like say just not there. Don't she's going back to like the deep down there. Well, again. I feel like, like there's some very human linguistic protection going on. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to say the thing that I am shy or embarrassed about. We've done it even as we've talked about some of the things in this book. I feel mm-hmm. uh, assuming the best about the writing. I think that might be what's going on. Though there are just there are some weird turns of phrases in here, like his scent still clings to the linen, and my chagrin about butt plug washing is forgotten. 
Oh, that's oh, that reminds me. That's a whole that whole yeah, that's bad. The whole section where she's like carrying the butt plug in the laundry that his servant wants to do, but she wants to do it because there's a butt plug in there. Mm-hmm. I would read a whole book about Christian Gray's employees and oh, what man. they think is going on because that house is full of sex screams and it must smell ridiculous. <laughs> After a moment, maybe two, I hear him pad quietly to the museum chest and open one of the drawers. The butt drawer? <laughs> I have no idea. I like the Christian Gray. Like he has, he has silverware, he has a junk drawer, and then the butt drawer. It's where you keep your your butts for when guests come over. Mm-hmm, the nice guest butts. The ni- the your your wedding butts. <laughs> You're fine. No, I can't say that. No, I think uh, we're good. I think we're good. Um, okay. So- one of the things that okay, one of the things that comes up in the handcuff thing and is important later is the idea of safe words. Now, in that scene with the handcuffs, he asks her to pick a safe word, and she picks popsicle. Uh huh. Sure. I believe that's a callback to when she was giving him a beige and rever- referred to his member. As a Christian Grey flavored popsicle. That's oh, good call, good good work there, Andrew. I have forgotten good all about sleuthing. that on purpose. Well, now you remember. Um, Come down th- here with me. <laughs> it's awful. Uh, and this comes up later because she does safe word him later, which is like a huge moment. He's gone too far. They've had an argument, and he's kind of overdoing it, as it were. And she safe words him. She says red, which means she's using this like kind of the stoplight uh, vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And I was Googling around about safe words like you do. Uh, I found an article by Clarice Thorne that talking about sex communication uh, and the like the philosophy behind safe words. Because I feel like we could just sit here and come up with a bunch of goofy ones. And that might be really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, she even says one of the reasons why you might pick a goofy one is that it's supposed to be totally unsexy. So right. you could just like scream Philadelphia Phillies, and that means like let's stop and talk about baseball because I'm uncomfortable. I, I don't know if that would be a good safe word for you because what if that's just like... For me, no. For me, it might, that might not like, be good. That's like you need to think about the Phillies <laughs> to finish or something. <laughs> but for you, would it be like computers like i'm thinking about work right now like i'm just gonna scream computers real loud no (laughs) i don't know if i'd yell computers i guess maybe i could yell like bug fixes and performance improvements (laughs) i could yell like release notes for a patch update my drivers that's not no that's actually sounds too sexual uh but she said that the generally accepted safe words are you know safe word ironically enough um, and more commonly, red on a green, yellow, and red scale. I feel like that's really insecure, though. It's like making your password be password. Yeah, that's not good. Like but anybody could just yell into your safe yell, word, yell in through the window, and ruin your romantic evening. You can your safe word can be safe word, but the a has to be that at symbol. It has and to be the, an at, and then the e has to be a three. Yes, and you should put a, a like an exclamation point. Or a dollar sign at the end. You got to salt your safe word or else. Yeah. Salt salt and hash it. (laughs) She said that the green, red and the green, yellow and red system works well because in this type of relationship, consent doesn't 
just start and end like at the very beginning yes and no like consent has to continue throughout the entire process so even if you are the dom uh you can you can be proactive and use green yellow red to check in as you do different things and now Mm -hmm. that does not necessarily happen in this book it really uh, doesn't which is one of the reasons it's been criticized but it's kind of up to it's up to anna to say no when she is uncomfortable but christian rarely yeah he rarely checks in midway he just assumes that that if she doesn't say anything then it must be fine and as as clarice points out saying no during sex even though like everyone explicitly acknowledges that that works uh there are a variety of like subliminal forces that prevent people from actually voicing it when they Mm -hmm. feel like they might want to and that that is explored in this book right the like I want to be able to take this for him. I want to be the person he needs me to be. Uh, and then, well, it, and then yeah. in some cases, like no could just be part of your part of the, I don't know if fantasy is the word, but part of whatever yeah. you're engaged in could be somebody like playing or even just a little bit, not wanting it, but actually wanting it you know like resistance which is a there is one sex scene in particular where he just says you need you should fight me like i want you (laughs) i punch me in the face fight against it um so so yeah yeah. that's one reason i guess why you would have a safe word instead of saying no but i want like this dovetails with one point that i wanted to make and my main overarching thing with this book is just how frustrating both anna and christian are as characters like we sure we can um, wrap up the plot, I guess, after we talk about this. But so um, Anna uses a safe word like she shuts him down because he keeps like almost as a punishment, like bringing her to the brink of orgasm and then not finishing it off. Yeah. Real. And I guess giving her just the girl version of blue balls like over and over again. Yeah. Which I feel like is I think it's physically uncomfortable. And I guess for her, it's also like psychologically uncomfortable yeah she's tied up she's tied up to a sex cross and she can't do anything about it and i from what i understand about the human anatomy it's way easier to uh prevent someone prevent a woman from finishing i think like that's just that what is being uh aroused and what is being you know touched is yeah a little more fickle women be complicated everybody that's true uh, and so yeah so she she has to safe word to get out of it and as i said earlier this is coming after a fu- or not coming after a fight that they've had about her disobeying a like a direct order from him for her own safety and it's uh, i feel like they're both in the wrong so this- that's how i feel about them all the time but yeah she safe words him and then he gets really shitty about it yeah he does he, this is them talking about it later. A deranged asshole gets in my apartment to kidnap my wife. She won't do as she's told. She drives me crazy. She safe words on me. Yeah, I'm pretty shaken up. And it's like, don't like the safe word is there for her like comfort and protection. And you can't. Okay. Like, I'm super sorry if it made you like upset that she used the safe word. Like, but that's what it's for. Like, if she, if you make her feel bad about using it, then she's not going to want to use it. Yeah. And it defeats the whole purpose, asshole. Yeah, he sucks real hard. And then he pulls out, I dreamed you were dead, he whispers. Like, this happens all the fucking time. Is they'll have a fight, 
and will get upset because I think it's totally within her right, like, right to get upset. And then he busts out something about how damaged he is. And it always ends up like flipping back around so that she feels bad about whatever she did. Also, to make him mad in the first place. I have never had a nightmare and woken up and been like, let's have sex. I have never dreamed about someone important to me dying or being hurt and then gotten like aroused. That's now, one not time easy. I did, a couple times I have woken Susanna up because I wanted to tell her how shitty the dream was. And I just want somebody to like, I don't know, like drape their arm over me and so I can go back to sleep. But it's not, it's not like a. I dreamed that my dad was dead. Let's let's bone down. <laughs> let's, let's bone I'm so down. horny. Oh, I'm so horny from my fear. I'm fear horny. Oh, that's the worst or best kind of horny. <laughs> that's what the UK version of the Fear Factor was about. It was way different here in the US. That's why I can't go to Saw movies anymore. You get just too because <laughs> they have a picture of you up by the ticket counter and you're not allowed in the theater anymore. Not after last time. Not after last time. <laughs> so yeah, there he's terrible about that kind of stuff. And she How do you I don't know, Andrew, in this book in particular. So some of the stuff that's going on, what's happening is like they get back from their honeymoon, clearly someone is trying to harm them. There's a fire at his office. The event we just alluded to is that Jack Hyde from SIP, formerly, breaks into the apartment trying to kidnap Anna, who disobeyed Christian and went out with Kate, and that's why they have the whole safe word issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like, and I don't know this empirically, he is way more explicitly in the wrong most of the time than she is, especially in this Christian, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, okay, so here's the here's the pattern I wanted to talk about, like the pattern of sure argument between them is that he will tell her not to do something. Yep. She will do it. Yep. He way overreacts. Yep. And then only after they've only after they've both felt like shit about it, will he reveal the inevitably like sensible reasons why he told her not to do something correct so yeah they're both in the in the wrong because like for her safety and his she usually shouldn't be doing the stuff that she does even though like there are cases like she wants to keep her name initially oh for, man that whole for work ah! and he and she doesn't tell him and he flips his shit so hard that he like leaves a meeting and storms up into her office and will not leave until she says, fine, I'll change my name. And like later they resolve it more amicably. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's done. And and then he busts out that like, oh, I, I need, I need to know that you belong to me and that, I, and that you're mine. And that's what the name thing represents. And, and like, are you ashamed of me that you don't want my name and whatever? And she's like, no, I just like, I don't want it to seem like the only reason I am where I am is because I married the guy who bought the company. Like it's a very reasonable (laughs) thing and And, it's something that real people do all the time. And whether, so here's the thing, whether or not the situation that's created it is whose fault it is. Mm -hmm. She is not proactive because she has such a learned 
behavior of not wanting to upset him yeah. that she will do something that is empirically Stupid. just creating trouble. Yeah. Because she doesn't want to talk to him about it in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that happens after they get in a big fight and a bunch of crap happens, uh, he takes her on a surprise trip to Aspen with all their Surprise. Friends. Surprise. Uh, which involves a really shitty scene where he carries her onto the plane like a caveman in front of all their friends. Uh-huh. I hated that. I just hated it. Carrying over the threshold, Mrs. Gray. And then, like, his brother Elliot's like, oh, you guys go fuck on the plane? Cool. You guys did it real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot seems like a D-bag. <laughs> Ethan, Ka- Catherine Cavanaugh's brother, Ethan, seems cool. Elliot seems like the, he sucks. To the extent that he's a character at all, like, usually he's just a name on the page. That's and, true. And, like, he is not described as doing anything in particular. That's true. So they go to Aspen and they go clubbing. Now ah, we've had yes. we've had like a moment where sh- we touch in with the money issue again because he owns this fancy house. He's buying everything that they're drinking and eating. She buys a thousand dollars worth of clothes, whatever. That's there's the the refrain of the book is I spent your money, our money. <sighs> like that yeah. happens about twenty times. Good point, well made, Craig. Yeah, they go. <laughs> clubbing we'll get into repeated phrases later because that's always a good hallmark of the stupid they go clubbing and she starts dancing and she's wicked drunk and she doesn't know what's going on and all of a sudden a guy who later is described as blonde giant with hairy hands starts dancing with her she thinks it's christian and when she turns around and finds out that it's not instead of just like getting upset and then moving on she hits him okay he was creeping on her she hits him and it was like a giga slap yeah. because it's so hard that it like turns her hand red and is hurting for like the next two days. I don't even know if it's possible to slap somebody that hard. And then it ends up with like Christian having to punch the guy. But as she says to herself, and I think to Kate later, she hit the guy because she recognized in that moment that she'd done something that would eventually make Christian mad. Yeah. And if she didn't act violently towards this guy who just assumed this lady dancing by herself might be worth dancing with, uh, that she would get in trouble. Yeah, and she she is like so worried about making him upset that she looks around to where he was last and like hoping and praying that he's in the bathroom and didn't see. So, Which is just really crappy learned behavior you know and like i I know this dude is supposed to be troubled and broken and whatever but that it's just a level of kowtowing that i don't that doesn't just rubs me entirely the wrong way yeah it's not good uh and again i guess i if you go in for the theory that some women like want a guy who's a little jealous and a little possessive like i can see why from like E.L. James perspective that might be like kind of hot but sure it's objectively problematic I think yeah it just I don't know I feel like this book is I I feel like these books are trying to be like this is a way that things can go and that people can be whereas I feel like it's a much better read if it's a cautionary tale like (laughs) I feel like it like Cookie Monster you're not supposed to like be like that's how i want to live i want to eat cookies all the time i feel like you're (laughs) like 
Because, you know, they ch- they tried to make him. That you think that Cookie Monster is like a role model for a lot of kids? I feel like they changed him to Veggie Monster because of a fundamental misunderstanding of the role of Cookie Monster as a, like, bad example. He's not an aspirational figure. <laughs> no. And I feel like p- too many parents were worrying that he was, and he is not. I Similarly, I feel like this book, while it is not, like, saying, hey, embark on this terrible adventure, uh... I don't think it is explicitly saying otherwise. Eh, yeah. It's kind of, yeah, if it's saying anything, it's like, look at these two people and their hot, sexy relationship, and they're so right for each other, and they should just nail each other all the time forever. Uh, so let's real quick burn through the rest of the plot. They come back from... I guess from... it's, 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 uh, it says something that the plot has factored so little into I know. our discussion. I've noticed it about the last couple episodes, too. So, uh, like, the, the honeymoon is, like, the first fifth of the book or whatever. Yep. Um, they, somebody tries to start a fire in Christian's server room. Yes. And they study the footage and come to the conclusion that it's Jack Hyde. Now, I will say that we knew it was Jack Hyde from the last book. So whatever. Like, don't spend the first 20% of your novel, like, trying to create some mystery about who is it who's who's stalking Anna and Christian. Like, the readers know. Just fucking get on with it already. So then, as we said, Jack Hyde breaks into their apartment trying to kidnap Anna. Mm-hmm. That leads to problems. Uh, then oh, they go to Aspen. Yeah, and, he's, and Jack Hyde is in custody for a while. Yes. And then... um. They're they're in Aspen, like Kate and uh, Elliot get engaged. There's like there's an Catherine Kavanaugh. Catherine Kavanaugh. This is a real quick book like comment on these books. The secondary characters don't really exist. They don't really have lives when uh Christian and Anna aren't around. That's true, yeah. They they are in stasis and they only come out of their cryogenic chambers when Anna and Christian need to do something. So there's manu there's manufactured tension around Elliot. Uh, maybe having an affair with this architect woman, Gia, and and Anna seeing them together on the street. But really, all Elliot was doing, he was buying a ring, and that's fine, and Kate's fine. So, mm-hmm. great job, I guess. These characters don't matter. <laughs> uh, and then it's Anna's birthday, and for her birthday, her stepdad gets into a car accident. Like... <laughs> Whoops. Happy birthday. And he ends up being fine. Again, again, we talked, I think especially in the first book, we talked about how Anna's family situation, like if it had been developed more. Could be really and, interesting. Yeah, it could be really interesting. And it could give you, the reader, a lot more insight into how she sees relationships. Because her mom has been married four times. Her bio dad died. Yes. Um, That's a cool term. Let's use that. No, it's it's a real thing. Oh, right? really? Like your, your bio parents? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, her bio. I mean, it does sa- also sound like a, a <laughs> like a like sci-fi a mid, thing, like a mid-period Bruce Willis movie or something. <laughs> bio dad. Um. So her yeah, her biological dad died. Her her mom's second husband Ray. Um. They like drifted apart, but that's who Anna sees as her father. Like she calls yeah. him dad. There was a. A third guy named Steven, I think, and they were married. Um, there's this weird, like, printed background check of Anna that that comes like late in the book, and they like they were married for like seven months or like sure. five months or something, and they just don't talk about him, even though I think that could be a really interesting vein to like dive into. Yep. And then there's another guy whose name I don't remember. Bob. Who's not even whose His not name even, is like, Bob Andrew. Book. 
His name is Bob. He's not even in this book, except I think maybe they might mention that he came to the wedding. <laughs> yeah, the only inkling that you get of this that I recall in any of these books, maybe some of it in the first book that I've blacked out, uh, is during the flashback to the wedding, Anna gets a little upset watching her mom and Ray dance because she sees the future where like marriages don't work out. And she thinks for a second, wisely, that her and Christian have known each other for six weeks. So, (sighs) womp, womp. So that's like the only snippet of that you get. Uh, This becomes important because then Anna finds out that she's pregnant. Yay! Except Christian takes it really poorly. She had her assistant like rescheduling and canceling all sorts of meetings, including her OBGYN meetings. Which which, seems like one that you would like have a fucking handle on. I'm not a girl, but all of my impressions are that those that relationship is pretty important. Yeah. And people take it pretty seriously. So okay. And and then and Christian takes it phenomenally poorly. Like this is one of his, this is second worst moment in this book. His first worst moment we'll get to. He um, literally says to her in his tirade, "And we've known each other for five fucking minutes." Yeah, he like he has a rare moment of clarity about how short their <laughs> dumb relation has been, relationship has been. Christ, Anna, he bangs his fist on the table, making me jump and stand so abruptly he almost knocks the dining chair over. You have one thing, one thing to remember. Shit, I don't even fucking believe it. How can you be so stupid? <laughs> stupid, I gasp. Shit. I want to tell him that the shot was ineffective, but words fail me. I gaze down at my fingers. I'm sorry, I whisper. Sorry, fuck, he says again. I know the timing's not very good. Not very good, he shouts. We've known each other five fucking minutes. I wanted to show you the fucking world, and now, fuck, diapers and vomit and shit. He closes his eyes. I think he's trying to contain his temper and losing the battle. And then he, like, blames her for doing it on purpose. (laughs) Like, of doing it on purpose. And then he runs out and gets wasted, hangs out. And hangs out with Mrs. Robinson. With Mrs. Robinson, whom we later find out makes a pass at him. Uh, Anna goes through his phone? Always a good moment for any couple. How do you feel about that? In the moment, I was I like, feel, this is gross, I, but also, I don't know. She's totally justified, though, yeah. also, because he won't tell her anything. That's yeah, true. It's like, yeah, again, both in the wrong. That was a shitty thing for her to do, but he's also treated her really, really awfully. Yeah. Oh, man, that was that scene sucks. All, then we get into the heist, Andrew, the like mm-hmm. thriller portion, which I know that you thought was awesome. Can I you, didn't think it was awesome. I just didn't think it was as bad as the rest of the book. Can you tell me what happened? So the setup here is that Anna and Christian aren't really speaking. They're not really seeing each other very often. And this is probably in like a period of 48 hours. They're both mad about the pregnant and the Mrs. Robinson thing. Mm, the pregnant yeah <laughs> not the pregnancy just the pre- no oh sorry the pregnant thing and the mrs robinson thing <laughs> all right um so okay anna gets a call from christian's sister mia correct who we've up, met maybe four times and she seems like fine yeah she's again like like all the secondary characters in this book not really a character except insofar as she relates to anna and christian so she gets a call from Mia. She picks it up. And who is it? It's Jack Hyde. Oh, no. He's been sprung from the the clink on bail. <laughs> and he says, you better give me $5 million in the next two hours or Mia's going to get it good. And don't tell anyone. 
and don't tell anyone. So so Anna goes to the bank. Like really, just I guess I don't know whether to read this as like her being really dumb, or like, or I guess I w- I wouldn't know how withdrawing five million dollars from the bank would go, because the whole time she's like, oh, I've got these two duffel bags. Like, is this big enough to hold five million dollars? <laughs> I've got these checks. Like, can I use these to get five million dollars? My, my name hasn't been changed on my ID yet, but I have like an Amex with my name on it. Can I use that to prove my identity to get $5 million? Can I just go to the bank and they'll give me $5 million? And really what makes it work is she goes to the bank. The guy kind of raises his eyebrow at all of those things. And then she goes, my husband's Christian Gray. He's like, all right, cool. All right. Well, here's your $5 million. No, actually, Christian calls the banker. That's true. And she pretends because she can't tell anybody, remember? that Mia's in trouble she says oh I'm leaving you and I just want the money give me five million dollars right now give it over here and so so she gets out with the five million dollars um but she manages to like hold on to her phone so they can track her because of course every single thing about her is being tracked including her phone and her car and all kinds of stuff this is just like standard operating procedure stuff for Christian Gray's wife yeah um he she gets to where Jack Hyde is and gives him the money. And he's like, you're a stupid bitch. And then he kicks her. And then she has Layla's gun. Yes. Which this is the third act. So it's going to go off. She shoots him like in the leg. And then she blacks out from her injuries. As Christian is like showing up with a bunch yeah. of cars. And then they and then she in this weird long sequence where she's fading in and out of consciousness she she hears a lot of characters close to her having very important plot conversations <laughs> <laughs> and so through that she learns that christian like has finally called it off with mrs robinson and that he really does care about the baby and a bunch of other crap yeah and and it kind of then it ends with them being okay about the a baby weird epilogue there well he tells the whole where it's 20 the thing about the epilogue that sticks out to me is that it's 2014 and christian is still carrying a fucking blackberry around <laughs> i mean i know that this book was written in 2011 but you don't exactly have to be like kreskin to know where blackberry was going. no and and i also like they it's christian and anastasia and your first introduction to this kid is that his name's ted like I know it's Ted. like it's like Theodore whatever Ted Gray, and it that epilogue goes on too long, and it doesn't. And there really... are a bunch of like flashbacks within <sighs> the epilogue where could they not have just told that part Written chronologically? Book. My God, <laughs> and she's pregnant with another baby, and he's like, oh man, and, and there's such a weird moment at the end where she's pregnant and they're having sex with each other. Uh huh. And it's a little girl in there and. And Anna, after they are done, she's Anna says, "Oh, I think she likes sex already. Mm. I think my unborn fetus likes to get dirty." Mm. <laughs> Can we also talk about this? Okay, so let's talk about this other part in the epilogue that's kind of gross. It's all so gross. The safe I think it's word, essentially, the first chapter of Gray, right? I think no. That's that's shades of gray. That's oh, right, the right, that's right. the weird stuff at the end where okay. E.L. James is exploring Christian's backstory. The epilogue with the kids is Ted, their son, is hanging out with Mrs. Jones, the cook's daughter, Sophie. Mm-hmm. And Fine. Sophie brings Ted a popsicle. And you remember that the safe word is popsicle. And Ted gets the sticky popsicle all over his fingers. 
And then this happens. I think Daddy wants to taste Popsicle too, I whisper in Ted's little ear. Ted frowns at me, then looks at his hand and holds it out to Christian. Christian smiles and puts Ted's fingers in his mouth. Mmm, tasty. Like, I... Like, and it's is... like, it evokes all kinds of other points in the book where he would like rub ah! her genitals and then like either taste it himself or make her taste it. And like, and they would like comment on how good they taste. Ah! And I don't know. I don't have kids. I don't know what it is to make like jokes about sex with your significant other while your kids like sitting there playing with trains. Like, maybe that's a thing you do. But this is like sucking popsicles. Stop it. Stop it. I hate it. I don't like it. Child services, can you hear me? <laughs> and then, and then, as we just said, it it ends with some sort of preview of what becomes the novel Gray, where there's like a chapter written from baby Christian's perspective, <laughs> <laughs> which is just a mess. E.L. James's Fifty Shades of Gray babies, <laughs> and then, and then there's like the retelling of their meeting from Christian's point of view, and he's just all he can think about is how much he wants to tie her up and beat the crap out of her. God, it's and so he's awful. even creepier than you can even imagine. Yeah, it's just it's their meeting, and then the hardware store scene from the first book, but from his perspective, where he's just like looking at her ass the whole time and Ugh. wanting to tie her up and and beat her till she'll listen to him or whatever. And that leads me to the last. Yeah, big thing sure. Before we, before we just get to the to the ramping down part where we're talking about all the horrible language and sure. stuff that mm-hmm. that is used is there is a scene where uh, Christian is surprised, really mad at Anna. I've ne- I don't know what you're talking about. Um, well, it's one of the many ones, and he's talking about wanting to punish her. Yeah. And so he says, I want to punish you, he re- he whispers, really beat the shit out of you, he adds. Which, one, he whispers and he adds, you don't need those two in the same sentence. My heart leaps into my mouth. Fuck, I know, I whisper as my scalp prickles. Maybe I will. I hope not. And then later, it's... Here's here's the, the yes, I knew what you said was an empty idle threat. I know you're not going to beat the shit out of me. I wanted to. No, you didn't. You just thought you did. I don't know if that's true. He murmurs. And it's again like Anna, like apologizing for him and like him threatening real not sexy violence upon her. Yeah. And it's really it's really, really gross. And then there's another thing. There's another thing later in the book where, like, the answer to their problems is for her to stop nagging him. That's the word that she uses. No. She doesn't want to be the nagging wife. And by nagging, she means, like, learn things about him. Yeah, or, like, wanting to know why exactly she's not allowed to leave the house without two bodyguards. I won't be cast as a nagging wife, constantly trying to wheedle information out of her husband. It's just exhausting. I know he loves me. I know he loves me more than he's ever loved anyone. And for now, that's enough. The realization is liberating. I stop crying and step back. I feel refreshed and reinvigorated. And I don't know if it's from the shower, the crying, or my decision to stop hassling Christian about everything. It's... uh, Give up all your agency, ladies. It'll work out. And I, I find her so... Like she's so boring anyway, but she's so frustrating. Yeah, because she's been written as this, as this doormat. Yes, who like has concerns, but 
lets them all be wallpapered over by like how much she wants to fuck this guy or like how pretty his face is. Uh, I guess we're supposed to be conflicted on him, but we're ultimately supposed to think that he's a good person underneath it all. But it's really, really hard to to buy him, I guess, as a romantic lead. I just I have a lot of problems with with everything that he says and does. So so we put out the call for questions and we've kind of answered um, Sophie's question a little bit about what our, some of our least favorite descriptive phrases were. You know, we can maybe come back to that in a second, but we have talked about some of that. Catherine mm-hmm. asked us what it would take for us to actually appreciate a book with this premise. Like, is it just that the prose is terrible or is there like a fundamental concept that's ultimately impossible? I, I mean, think the, the prose is a major hurdle. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. There's no question about that. But I think that the I think that just the characters are the are the worst thing. Like I really I want to see a woman with more agency and a man who's less deeply fucked up i guess yeah i there are not some explicit parallels but some thematic parallels to the relationship in outlander which we did a an episode on like 30 or 40 episodes ago where you know the woman knows less about the world that she's in than the man because she's traveled through time uh but she certainly has ways that she can impact the world around her and there are things that she teaches him that are a little more explicitly and better told than mm-hmm. the stuff that happens here. Whereas he still gets away with a bunch of caveman behavior because it's whatever century Scotland. Um, I just don't think that any of that's earned here. No, definitely not. This relationship is far more problematic. Uh, and I just don't think the characters are well-drawn enough. There's so no, much like, I mean, it's, nonsense. Yeah, you like you said... Um, like the other the other characters in the book don't exist outside of Anna and Christian. Like there there is a lot of stuff they could do with Anna's family, with her friendship with Kate, the fact that she and Kate are both dating these adopted gray men mm-hmm. who have different approaches to life, I guess. Like the relationship between Christian and his fa- and his like adoptive parents and his adoptive siblings is barely sketched in at all. Like it's but potentially really interesting, like the link that we find between Christian and Jack Hyde is that they were both in the same Detroit foster home for two months mm-hmm. and that Christian got adopted by the Greys and Jack Hyde didn't. So maybe that's yeah. why Jack Hyde hates him. And so he feels entitled to all the money and stuff that Christian has. And that's and that's part of what's driving him. And that's like fine as a motivation. Like that's not for your villain, but anything, not for your but... protagonist or yeah, your yeah. other person that's the main thrust of your book um and then we i mean we got another question that i think ties into this from charlie what what are your views on the difference between smut and and, uh smut and literature in erotic writing so what is just like porn that you're reading so you can jerk it and what is like literature that also happens to deal with sexy ideas Oh, that's a good question. And I think I think it's the same thing, right? Like if if the characters are better developed outside of the sex, then it's fine that they just happen to have sex. Like I think I think Anne Rice handled that a little better as funny as it is to say in yeah, the no, she, book yeah. mm-hmm. that we read mm-hmm. and I think that's probably, you know, that's that's what she does in a lot of her writing. 
Um, you mentioned Outlander, which I think has lots of canoodling in it. It does. It does have yeah. a lot of canoodling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what we were saying earlier in this book, the specific type of relationship that she's writing about, this BDSM relationship, has a lot of metaphorical potential that I think is squandered. Yeah, I just I, I think it needs to have more to say than it does. And it really is like so much of it is just the sex part. Like she wrote this in pieces for fanfiction.net, I think is like the original Genesis of it. And like every time she writes us a scene that is about them fighting or about something that isn't sex, it, like you mentioned earlier, it like slams into a sex scene later, even though it doesn't make sense. Like if he's having a nightmare or if they just had a fight, like it, bam, it's right into sex to the point where you can kind of sense when they're like, about to happen. Well, like to the point where you can sense like she posts something with a lot of plot development in it or something. And then all the replies she gets are like, oh, I can't masturbate to this. So she needs to follow it up with a really porny scene right after. <laughs> Like if it was on like a on a, like a platform like Wattpad or something, and people yeah. were like, "Hey, I didn't I didn't jerk it on the bus this week. Write something better, please. More boners, please. More boners, please. I love boner champ sixty nine. And I will say, I can't. I don't. I don't know enough about orgasms in literature to know if just three different synonyms for explode will get you through. Oh man, it's just like. That's about all it she's was got. Such a, it was such a relief when a sex scene just led to like a fade to black, you know? Like there when were she, more when of she them in didn't book, describe yeah. the whole goddamn thing. They totally glossed over the vagina balls. Apparently they happened again. Yeah, it was just like happened, a, it was, a little email about it. I actually I liked the, I kind of liked the little email scene. I kind of thought that was can we talk well about the implemented emails? because it's it's them emailing each other and you have to like pay attention to the timestamps and stuff to see that time is passing but can we talk about how they use email signatures andrew i really i mean we already did that in a a previous podcast but yeah they change the subject line and their email signatures in every single email they send and that is not how email works stop it don't sign your email ceo and ass man or (laughs) unless you were cosmo kramer (laughs) you should never sign your emails that way or anastasia gray now moist editor Oh, God. Or CEO Gray Holdings Incorporated and Butt Inspectorate Incorporated. (laughs) Listen, Craig, Butt Inspector is a real job, and I would thank you not to malign America's hardworking butt inspectors. Ah, I love this. And inside, I'm building, building, climbing higher. Christian's hand was moved to my thighs and delicately his thumbs press at their apex and I explode around him over and over and over and over and I collapse sprawled on his chest as he cries out in turn letting go and calling out my name with love and joy like that's the that's basically how they orgasm every time like they're always like splitting apart and coming back together like every time fucking like phasing out of our our plane of existence for a second or something she's always like spiraling like she's getting sucked down a super mario tube or something (laughs) disappearing into another dimension so as we finish our journey sure i guess like something we've done in the last couple episodes is we we like to check in on some of our overused words and phrases so i've got a few okay 
I don't know if you have anything that you've counted. Um, one thing that gets introduced in this book is the, because they're married is they call each other Mr. and Mrs. Gray all oh, the time. Oh, man. Because it's like sexy or something. Um, so, and, and sometimes of course there are other characters referring to them as Mr. Gray or Mrs. Gray. So, so this number might be a little inflated, but Mr. or Mrs. Gray, those two phrases show up a total of 486 times in the book. That's way too many. Um, Anna is given as we've, as we've said to saying things like, holy crap, holy cow, holy fuck, holy shit. Um, one one or another version of those appears uh, 94 times. Uh, now, blessedly, her inner goddess gets a bit of a break in this book, only shows up 17 times, which is a which is much lower, I think, than in the first two. I just broke my Kindle app trying to find out how many times the word fuck gets used. Do you, Whoops. Is, is it, I think it's over 300, but I'm not certain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it started searching now, and we'll come <laughs> back to it in a second. <laughs> Um, but yeah, her, so she, like we said before, she has her inner goddess and her subconscious and one like loves getting fucked. And one is kind of like a, a cartoon librarian who, <laughs> who is always scolding her. The subconscious is around 45 times. So, uh-huh. so not as sexy as no. the previous books, apparently. No, her inner goddess does show up wearing a gladiatrix outfit. 209 fucks. (laughs) Fucks and fuckings. And I think there might be a fucked or two in there. I'm sure there is. It's just, it doesn't vary. And you, uh, that's part of it. That would be a thing that would elevate this book for me. Mm -hmm. Is if the the words were just different. How about yeah, that? It's it's very much the same thing over and over and over again. And we've we've criticized the repetitiveness so much that I fear that we might be getting repetitive ourselves. Yeah. One of the other things that James does a lot is Anna checking in on the music that Christian's playing. Oh, it's so bad and dumb. And it's always like there's one where it's like and Dido's singing about rain or something. She's and then, singing about uh white flags. Oh, I think. white flags. The one that got me was uh, when I think it's the one where they're where she ends up safe wording, and here's the exact quote: "The troubadour on the iPod is troubadour. Sing- the troubadour on the iPod is singing about wicked games. I think she's just talking about Chris Isaac and the song Wicked Games. She can just <laughs> like she references the sack like the guitar unless twang. You're, unless just you're call listening- a spade a spade." Unless you're referencing like Renaissance music, the person who is singing your song is not a troubadour. No, just calm it down, Andrew. What is the weirdest song that has ever come on for you during a romantic encounter? Have we talked I about this? I usually do not have music on during romantic encounters. Interesting. One mm-hmm. time when I was in college, uh, a mix was playing. It was fine uh, for the bulk of the encounter, and then. Uh, Green Day's American Idiot came on. <laughs> <laughs> which just kind of broke the mood. I can see how it would do that. Yeah. Because you both just get really mad about Dick Cheney or something <laughs> and you sit there next to each other and fume. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think I'm, I'm almost spent here, Andrew. Is there, what do we think about this trilogy of, of books? I, 
I want to read a version of it with better characters in it. Like I, I want to see this done well in literature because all of us have needs and all of us have desires and like that's part of us. But when you make it the whole point of your stupid book existing, it gets really tedious and boring and not hor- I'm like barely horny at all now. <laughs> so this book did never aroused you. None of these books aroused you. No, I actually like I wish there was somebody who could like take a vine of the faces that I make because I do involuntarily <laughs> roll my eyes and cringe a lot. Don't roll your eyes at me, Andrew. It may <laughs> stop biting your lip, Craig. Arr, you know what that does to arr, me. My jeans are hanging that way. I would uh, kill for a pair of jeans that looked that good. What does it even look your sex like? Sex jeans. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I still can't. I just can't. It's just I can't. that way. I can't do it. Well, if you can't do it anymore, the listener, you could write in. Tell us who got this right. Tell us what you did or did not like about these books. Uh, you can write in at overduepod at gmail.com. Uh, actually, Gabby wrote in to recommend a BDSM comic called Sunstone. That may or may not answer some of the questions. I've not done any research on that, but if you're looking for more information, go for it. Uh, Melissa on Facebook also recommended we watch the BDSM episode of Secret Diary of a Call Girl, so I haven't done that either, but... It's apparently better than this, which is a low bar to clear. So. Yes. Uh, and even like I said, a, a Google search on safe words turned up some pretty useful information that perhaps E.L. James should have read. Mm-hmm. Um, other people who reach out to us this week include Larry, Nacelle, uh, as Andrew said, Melissa, Sophie, Catherine, Jessica, Albie, Michael, Susan, Alana, Nicola, Julie, who is trying to get a Goodreads group off the ground. So stay tuned to our social media for when that happens. Uh, and on Twitter... Twitter.com slash Overdue Pod. We didn't say the Facebook, which is also Overdue Pod. We have heard from J Deep, Keep the Muse, Michael Ducky, My Book Jacket, Tessa, Melissa, our friends at The Criminal Show, Emma Boven, Tim Dufresne, Melissa, Catherine, Dana, Casey, Ronald, Anna, Scott, Amanda, Sally, Sirius, Rachel, Jimmy G, Margaret, Christina, and Martin. It's been a great week. Thanks for reaching out on our 150th episode. There are 149 other episodes, Andrew. Where should people find them? Uh, they should find them at overduepodcast.com. Up there, we have links to iTunes and RSS and our Stitcher page. Those are all great ways to subscribe to the show. Um, usually, new episodes post on Monday, but sometimes we post bonus episodes. So you subscribe, you get everything as soon as it is available. If you uh, do subscribe in iTunes especially, you should uh, rate and review us because that helps us in the rankings, helps other people find the show, and it just generally makes us feel good. Um, we have talked about how we wanted to get past 100 reviews and 200 ratings by the end of 2015. Uh, We are sitting pretty at exactly 100 reviews right now. So thank you so much to all 100 of you. You mostly have had good things to share. A couple of you have had um, constructive criticism. A couple of you have had not constructive criticism, (laughs) which I guess is fine if that's how you roll. Um, And then we are at 195 ratings. So go ahead and help us out. Bump us up past that round number. We love round numbers. Um, Up on our website, we also have links to Patreon, uh, which is a way that you can support the show in an ongoing fashion. We have some changes coming up to Patreon. Um, Keep an eye on the Facebook and Twitter pages for that. Um, We're going to be shuffling some reward tiers around and giving you an update on the state of the merch store. So just sit tight. Um, We've also got links to uh, Amazon for all the books that we have read and are going to read. If you want to read along, 
uh, click those links on the site and then buy stuff from Amazon and we get a little cut of that. It's just a, another way to get a few pennies in our coffers. Craig, is there anything that I missed? No, you can... No, but I'm going to say some other stuff. Uh, you can also find a link to the HeadGum Network, which uh, we are a part of and we're happy to be a part of. They recently did the Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood podcast. Recently did an episode on White Man Can't Jump, which I was waiting for them to get to. <laughs> so you should probably go check that out. Uh, you can also find our Spreaker page, who does the hosting for all of our stuff. And yeah, the link to our patreon as you said and the amazon books and all that good stuff andrew what are we talking about next week um next week we are getting into the holiday spirit we're going to be reading the novelization of the movie home alone i can't wait it'll be our first novelization i haven't done any research yet but i'm really hoping i can find a lot of fun stuff about just what the deal is with novelizations in general so, so if you have a favorite like movie novelization that you've read or just even one that you've read at all because i don't think i've read any you should probably write in and let us know so that we i have, have read the novelization of the super mario brothers movie oh my i think i've mentioned it before but i'm just putting it out there again oh jeez. and um also a uh, last thing that i have keep an eye on our uh, we have a page on uh, overduepodcast.com for new listeners and oh, yeah. uh, now that we've now that the odometer has rolled over again, another 50 episodes, uh, we are going to pick some more of our favorites and throw them up there. So if you're trying to introduce people to the show, that's a really good place to start. And we will have some more recent shows up there for you guys pretty soon. I think that's it. I think that's it. OK, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us on this sexy, sexy journey, the sexy, frustrating journey. <laughs> oh, I'm going uh, to I'm going to use safe word. <laughs> On that. Ugh, ugh, popsicle. <laughs> All right, everybody. We will see you next Monday. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Um, until then, try to be happy. We can put this after the end of the show, but the fact that I've had a dude in my house, like who's just been like walking around doing stuff, and I'm trying to talk about a book that has a bunch of kinky fuckery a in it, sex, has really limited book. what I want to talk about. Fuck. <laughs> also, he reminds me of Cuddy from The Wire, which like I really like. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that's a great guy from The Wire. Also, it's taken him like four days to even identify what the problem with my dryer is, and all I want to talk about is weird ball stuff. Come on. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>